Welcome to A Flame for Christ, homilies to set your heart on fire with love for Jesus Christ. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined us on this 29th Sunday of Ordinary Time, which is a special Mass celebrating the 70th anniversary of the Diocese of Bridgeport. So Jesus came to earth, he died to wipe away the sins of all humanity, and then rose again to bring humanity to heaven with him. This message of hope and salvation was literally the most important message human beings have ever received. So who did Jesus choose to spread it? A communications expert? Someone skilled in logistics? The most courageous, wholly effective people he could find? Nope. He chose blue-collar workers, fishermen, a public sinner like a tax collector, a man who doubted his resurrection, a man who denied him under pressure, and other men who ran away at the most critical moment. It was to this motley crew that he entrusted the monumental task of bringing the entire world to heaven. And it's so interesting that the paradox is that it's precisely the failings of the church that prove its divine origin. As the Catholic thinker Hilaire Belloc once said, the church is an institution run with such knavish imbecility that if it were not the work of God, it would not last a fortnight. Right? The Catholic church is not a social club. It's not a charity. It's not even a community of faith. It's rather a divine institution. And the fact that God can work through weak, frail human beings and has done so for the past 2,000 years really helps me believe that this really was founded by Jesus Christ and animated by the Holy Spirit. And that's why I remain Catholic, despite the imperfections of its members. So today we celebrate 70 years of the Diocese of Bridgeport. In 1953, our diocese split off from the Archdiocese of Hartford here in Fairfield County. And in those past 70 years, we've had some saints and some sinners. We've had some tremendous blessings and some big challenges. And even as we look around the church today, we see a motley crew of saints and sinners, people with rock-solid faith and people who have one foot out the door. And you know, we look a whole lot like that motley crew that Jesus assembled to live out and spread the good news. And you know, at the end of the day, the imperfections of everyone in the church, from the Pope to the priest to the regular folks in the pew, can actually be a good thing because it forces to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. I am a Catholic because of him, because he founded it, because it teaches his doctrine, and because he is truly present in the Eucharist. In fact, to be a Catholic is to belong to him. St. Paul uses two beautiful images that we speak of the church, the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ because even in an imperfect way, we continue the life of Christ in the world. You know, in the powerful words of St. Teresa of Avila, she said, Christ has no body but yours, no hands and feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks with compassion in the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands which he blesses all the world. You know, the story is told of the Polish town in World War II that was badly damaged during the bombings. And one of the bombs destroyed the Catholic church at the center of town. When sorting through the rubble, the townspeople found the statue of Jesus which had been pretty badly damaged. They asked a sculptor and an artist to restore the statue, which they did, but the hands were so completely gone that he could do nothing with them. So the townspeople instead chose to display the damaged statue in the town square with the words underneath, you are his hands. The church is not only the body of Christ, the church is also the bride of Christ. What does it mean to be the bride of Christ? Well, like any good husband is loyal to his bride, so the Lord will never abandon us. He is loyal to us through thick or thin. He doesn't take lightly those who disrespect his bride, as any man wouldn't put up with insults on his wife. And the Lord, too, desires the one flesh union, like a husband and wife want that union. 
And our union happens when we receive the Holy Eucharist, and his flesh enters into our flesh. But you know, just as any bride looks more beautiful on her wedding day, more radiant than she does when she just rolls out of bed, so the church is currently not looking as beautiful as she will. Our second reading from the book of Revelation speaks of the glories of this purified church descending from heaven. And yeah, we're not there yet, but we are on our way. Not because of us, but because of what Jesus is doing in the church to sanctify and purify his bride. Have you ever wondered why at every Mass we profess the Creed, but we don't mention the Eucharist in the Creed? And that's because it was never doubted, really, for the first 1,000 years of Christianity. However, around the year 1050, the first person to really ever kind of start to doubt the real presence of Christ was a French priest by the name of Berengarius. And he was really kind of started to say, you know, the Eucharist is a symbol of God, but it's not his true body and blood. And this led to a huge controversy in the church about the Eucharist. Well, what was it really? Was it a symbol or is it the true presence? So fast forward about 100 years from then, in a small Italian town called Balsena, a priest was elevating the Eucharistic host when all of a sudden, a few drops of blood began to drip from the host onto the corporal, which is the white cloth that covers the altar. Recognizing this as a miracle, the people spread the good news far and wide until even the Pope, Pope Urban IV, heard about it. He personally investigated this miracle and convinced that it was true, and he instituted the Feast of Corpus Christi, the feast which celebrates the body and blood of the Lord. Man had questioned the truth, but God answered, bringing his church to a deeper love and understanding of his greatness. This miracle really was a response to those doubts that Berengarius had started to sow in people's hearts. And so God has, throughout the 2,000 years, preserved the church through many trials, right? You know, when the church was tempted by wealth and riches, God raised up St. Francis of Assisi as a witness of poverty. When the church was threatened by the Protestant split, God raised up Catholic reforming saints like St. Charles Borromeo or St. Robert Bellarmine. When new worlds like America or Asia were opened up to Europe, God raised up St. Ignatius Loyola to found the Jesuits who would be these missionaries to the far-off places. When the church seems unrelatable to the youth of today, God raises up someone like Blessed Carlo Acutis, who became holy in his 15 years of life, a very modern teen who is also on the path to sainthood. This gives me great hope, because the church will always thrive and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, not because of anything we do or don't do, but because it belongs to Jesus Christ himself. The Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte once taunted a Catholic cardinal by saying, Your Eminence, do you not know that I have the power to destroy this church? The cardinal responded, Emperor, the clergy of the Catholic Church have been trying to destroy the church for 1,800 years. We haven't succeeded, and neither will you. We've got that guarantee from Christ. And so be proud to be Catholic. Be proud to be a part of the Diocese of Bridgeport, who, through this motley crew of saints and sinners, God continues to move here. And even in this motley crew assembled here at St. Jude's Parish. And so, my friends, be proud to be Catholic. Oh.